as I was praying about today's message, I really, uh, I initially felt like this, this urge to preach about what's going on with the church in America today. And there's plenty going on. Um, but I was reading something this week, and uh, a pastor that I really, really, really like, his name's Paul Dunk, said the church was a living, breathing organism. It's not a building. So as I was praying about my message, the Lord told me to take it to that level. Um, so what I plan on preaching about today is the relationship, the relationship aspect of church between us and between God, because honestly, that's where it all starts. Mission comes from that. Um, evangelism comes from that. The words of a testimony come from our relationship with the Lord. Any word, any 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 God-like thing comes from that relationship with the Lord. Apart from Him, it's all just junk. Paul called it in the Greek skubala, which is a very fancy swear word in Greek. Um, so that's where I'm kind of going today. But I, I just want to encourage you as we list, as I preach this message, I, I, it's not about guilting you into doing more for your church or for God because you're not blessed or you won't find favor because your relationship is in a certain place. Um, it's my intention to encourage you to find a deeper, more enriching experience with the Lord because ultimately that's why we were created and that's why we're here. So please um, hear my heart in that and um, anyway one of the biggest obstacles um, in our relationships whether it's with the Lord or with people is vulnerability it's a very popular Christian word these days but it's true uh, many of us hold ourselves to standards that we can't meet and we end up burning ourselves by our own expectations burning out and wearing down trying to meet those things that we could never fulfill in the first place uh, a really good example um, you know, I'll just use myself because I am a very I think I've shared with you this with you once or twice I'm a very career-minded person I've always been in a career and I've always been trying to climb the career ladder and I've always ended up falling just a little short of my expectations because it just wasn't possible in the first place and I set expectations that were just way too high and as I've prayed about that to the Lord He's showing me that the expectations I placed were not expectations that were godly in the first place. And I'm, I hate to say it this way, but I was working for all the wrong reasons. But the gospel provides a completely different way. I don't want to say zero expectation, but that's kind of what it is. Because time and time again, we ourselves have proven sinful and unfaithful. It's, you know, just call it what it is. At the core of our humanness is nothing good. But that part of ourselves causes us to wear masks, um, keep our lives cloaked in secrecy and darkness because we're ashamed that we can't do what we expect ourselves to do or we can't accomplish what we hope to accomplish. And we've failed ourselves and maybe we've even failed people around us. And maybe we feel like we've even failed God. But that's not what the gospel preaches. That's not what the gospel came to say. And if we're going to see what the gospel came to say, I think we need to start right at the beginning because this is where it all started. Um, and it's a perfect example of hiding ourselves. Um, I'm in Genesis 3, um, verses 1 through 10 this, um, at this moment. 
It's the most popular story in the Bible. Adam and Eve, an apple, a snake. Lunch was served. was not good. Uh, and the scripture reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows what for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree, they saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves cool of the day. It made themselves loincloths, excuse me. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Their nakedness before this point wasn't an issue because they were actually closed in the righteousness of God. They were created pure in the God in God's image, untainted and holy. It wasn't an issue for them. They walked around no that's because that's how they were created. But what we see happening here is sin entering the world. And when they became aware of that sin, they realized uh, everything that they had been created with has now been ruined. The holiness and righteousness of God had left them, and now they were naked. So they hid themselves behind some loincloths and fig leaves. And then they actually hid themselves when they heard the Lord coming. It's funny. It's funny how, you know, we understand and we know that God is all-knowing. Yet we work so hard to hide so much from him. He knows already. And when he asked, where are you, to Adam, he knew where they were. But it was more of a question of, what have you done? Come out and talk to me about this. It was almost like a call to fess up, um, which didn't happen right away. He had to get it out of them. Um <clears throat> But that's kind of what Matthew Henry has to say as well. Um, you know, he said that they were stripped and deprived of all their honor and joys of their paradise state and exposed to all the miseries that might just, justly be expected from an angry God. They were disarmed, their defense had departed from them, and they were shamed forever shamed before God and angels. They saw themselves disrobed of all their ornaments and ensigns of honor, degraded from their dignity and disgraced in the highest degree laid open to the contempt and reproach of heaven and earth and their consciousness their consciences excuse me we can't hide ourselves though we can try our hardest i know that i have in my own life but god is his specialty is coming to us 
in our darkest places because that's where we all were at one point before the Lord came to save us we were not in good places because we weren't with the Lord um, there's nothing we can keep from God but we're gonna try like heck to cover up those failures and everything else that we've done but the the good news is the gospel and that's Jesus came and died for our sins he came to be an intercessor for all of us so the only reason we hide is because we choose to but Jesus said don't hide he actually called it out with the Pharisees because the Pharisees hid themselves behind um, religious hypocrisy I guess is what you want to call it they were shown as the highest religious religious figures in Jerusalem in Israel but they used that that mask as a way to manipulate people and to abuse people but even Jesus saw through that and he spoke to them about who God was who he was in relation to God and about the word because the word ultimately is the tool that that um, convicts us that calls us out into the light uh, Hebrews 4 says for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the vision of soul and spirit of joint and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account why do we wear masks it's a rhetorical question you don't have to answer it personally I I can think of four reasons at least why I've worn a mask in my life my family um, have gone through the roughest two years of our lives we um, you know we we found the Lord and he radically he transformed my relationship with my wife he he changed us individually the way I am a father I couldn't even imagine I can't even imagine like five years ago if you had said to me I was gonna be this way I would have laughed in your face I really would have excuse me but then something happened that kind of catastrophically hurt us deep um, I won't go into details but it really wounded our spirituality it ruined it, it um, it even hurt our relationship as a husband and couple I mean there were some things we were pretty divided on and then I put a mask on because I felt like I had to be that strong husband for my wife for two and a half years I basically hid myself what I was feeling what I was going through um, and honestly some of the sin that I was dealing with for two years I hid that from my wife and I hid it from the Lord that took its toll and Jenny could probably tell you she looked at me and I was burdened I was worn down and I I had no love to give and then we came here and as hard as it was to transition to a new church we found rest here the Lord led us to a place where we could lay down near still waters and eat and side note thank you for that um, for welcoming my family and my two crazy kids um, it was here 
that the Lord confronted me about that mask. And I'll be honest with you, when he confronted me with it, I was pretty indignant. Um, it was a Friday night, and I was just done. I was totally done. And my wife said, go on a drive. And I said, no, I don't want to go on a drive. And she told me to go on a drive, so I did. It was midnight. And I ended up driving out to Fayetteville. And all the way there, I I wasn't proud of the things that I said, but I had to say them. And I was angry at God. Um, I I I said, I give up. I said, I swore him off. I said, why the heck have you even brought me here just to leave me here and struggle and, and suffer? And it was a... It was a nice hour and a half temper tantrum. But the mask was off. You know what? I was I was finally letting go and bringing those things up that I was feeling. Who I actually, um, what I actually had become was being brought into the light. And it was one in the morning and I went to Tim Hortons on Fayetteville. And I was sitting there and I was still going and I finally just stopped. I was tired. My voice was shot because I literally was yelling. And I sat there, and in front of me was just a dead tree. And I can't explain. Maybe they were there already, and maybe I just didn't see them. But as I was finally just praying, giving it all to the Lord, repenting and asking for forgiveness, I looked up, and I saw little buds. And the Lord said to me, now life will come. And the Lord basically was just saying that now that I had let the word in, now that I had let the spirit back in, things were going to change. My family was going to grow again. I was going to find some type of traction uh, with the Holy Spirit again. And it wasn't anything that I did, you see. I basically just took the mask off finally. I finally let go of who I thought I should be. And I let the Lord tell me who I actually was. And as I was talking, and as I was thinking about that experience, I wanted to share with you how we can take the masks off, or you know what we can do. And I don't know that that was the right thing to go, because the right way to go, because honestly, the Lord's more concerned with the heart. What, actions are just as important. Please hear my word, uh, my words, and my heart in the words is that action is important. Our actions should come out of the word, the gospel, and our relationship with Jesus. But God really is concerned with our hearts at the root of it all. So I wanted to share with you guys why we should take our masks off. Because this is ultimately where it comes down. We're hiding our hearts. We're hiding our souls from people and from God. So why should we trust the Lord? Why should we take our masks off? Well, the first and most important reason is God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for us so that we didn't have to be ashamed. I'll just, you know, quote the most popular football verse, uh, football game verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus came so that we wouldn't have to be ashamed. We would not have to condemn ourselves because honestly, a lot of condemnation probably comes from the devil 
but a lot of it comes from ourselves. You know, my favorite thing to do, my favorite pastime is have a boxing match with myself and just take me out with all those things that I did wrong. And it's not to say that those things won't come and those things won't happen, but we can take off the masks and talk about those things because God loves you. You're not, he's, not gonna, he's not going to harm you, and he's not going to put you down because of it. If you are a son of God, he's going to embrace you with open arms at the throne of grace. Because of Jesus, the second reason we can take our masks off is because we are his children. I think of Gracie and Sophia. They're not old enough or cognizant yet to really think about how to hide up their stuff. So when something happens with Gracie, it's pretty funny. So, um, you know, I, I, I was going to, I could think of a million examples. But my favorite example was from yesterday as I was finishing up my sermon. And what happened was she likes to kick Sophia. I don't know why. She's a big sister. Maybe she likes to beat up on her. I don't know. But she kicked her when none of neither of us were in the room. And I walked in there, and I'm like, why is Sophia crying? And Gracie just kind of pouted. And I'm like, why? She's like, because I kicked her. I'm like, why did you kick her? Because she had my flute. And I said, is that the right thing to do? And she's, no. So they made up or whatever. But she was right there. She didn't hide it from me, at least yet. I'm, there's going to be plenty of teenage years, I'm sure. You guys can tell me all about that, which I'm looking forward to. Please, Jesus, come back before that ever happens to, ste to steal Mike's joke. Uh, but... <laughs> I, there's a reason I think that Jesus talked about kids and used kids as an example as receiving heaven because they're so pure and so innocent and they don't know at that point yet how to lie really they might try to but they would do it with a smile on their face and I, I think about my relationship with the Lord and what changed in me when I became you know a a teenager and a grown-up that I had to feel like I hid stuff from my father in heaven. And there's a million reasons why I'm sure a psychologist could break it down and therapy could like, you know, put me on a couch. But at the end of the day, God is our father in heaven. He has adopted us. Paul even said it in Ephesians 1, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, blameless, holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of, the glor praise of the gl his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. But just like any other father comes discipline. And rebuke and I can't speak for every father-son relationship in this room or in the world but I knew that when my father disciplined me it was for my good you know when I was 16 I loved to play guitar and I would sit in my basement and just play guitar and I had like a I think an F plus in chemistry and I don't know can you get an F plus uh, the he came down and he took my guitar from me and he said, you need to step away from this guitar until you can get a passing grade. And at that point I was angry because I hate chemistry. Chemistry is of the devil. Um, chemistry class. Let's leave it at that. But I studied. And you know what? My dad was right there with me. Every night after school, he was quizzing me and helping me through these things. And your father in heaven is not going to leave you there either. 
He might rebuke us for something that we chose to do or for a path that we've chosen to take, but he's not going to leave you in that rebuke. When we come forward to him and offer up um, you know, repentance and worship, he's going to walk with us. You know, the fact of the matter is when we have Jesus, it's not that life gets easier and that we walk through the roses. But we have somebody to walk through no ma walk with no matter what. Whether it's the high mountaintops or the low valleys, to use cliche, Jesus is there. So we take our masks off because, well, he's our father and he knows anyway and we're his kids and he, you know, he loves us. And to me, the most important thing is God forgives freely. To me, this is one of the most important reasons that we should take our masks off. If you're, if you have given your heart to Jesus, if you said that I choose to follow him, you are now worthy to receive grace, mercy, and God's righteousness. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why do we freely why do we willingly hold on to those things that God freely takes? Again, it's a rhetorical question, things to think about. But I can tell you why we shouldn't, and that's because God will take them freely. I mean, amazing grace, my chains are gone. I've been set free. You know, we sing hymns and we sing uh, praise songs about how God has taken all of those sins from us and we're no longer burdened, but we are free to praise and worship him. We're free to pro proclaim the gospel to the world. We're free to love and we're free to teach. We're free to do all the things God has called us to do because Jesus took that bullet for us. He laid on a cross, said it is finished. And all of those things are heart issues. Please hear my heart in that because I have my own heart issues. And I've always tried to cover those things up with application. You know, am I serving enough? Am I loving my family enough? Am I loving my wife right? Am I loving the church right? Am I doing the right ministry? Am I reading enough? Am I praying enough? Am I journaling enough? Am I even preaching or evangelizing at work enough? Am I doing anything enough? Because honestly, it's easy to look to the things that we do and put tick marks down because it's tangible, it's real, and we can judge you know, progress or regression by through all of that. Through all of that, excuse me. But the hardest thing to do is to sit in the pew and for me to sit, stand up here and say, your works apart from God, God are garbage. It's hard for me to say that because I really don't want that to be the case. And I have to rest. I have to rest in Jesus' finished work and trust and hope. We as sons and daughters of God must walk by faith and live by hope. How hard is that? All right, I don't – people – and, you know, there are people all over this country – TV pastors will say, just walk by faith. What does that really even mean? 
That means we have to let go of all that we've ever known, all that we've ever done, put to death all the things within us, and trust that Jesus is alive in us and walk that out. Still going to be sinful. Because we still have flesh. And, you know, I think that sometimes it's easy to cheapen the difficulty that we face in that because there's a scripture. You know, and you know what? It's inspirational and it's encouraging. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. Um, but it's not, it's not that easy because we're still fighting flesh as long as we are on this earth. And that's why we struggle so much. We're not yet perfected, but guess what? We want to be perfect, don't we? I know I do. I want to be the best guitar player, and I want to be an amazing songwriter, and I want to write songs that will change the world and bring millions to Jesus. And I want to be the perfect husband and the perfect father. So when I throw a temper tantrum with my wife or I yell at my daughter because she's getting on my last nerve, I feel horrible. But we're not yet perfected. First John again, beloved, we are God's children now. Hold on to that. And what we will be has not yet appeared. So despite the fact that we are not yet fully perfected, we are still considered God's children. But we know that when he appears, Jesus, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Hope. Hope in Jesus. Because that's what keeps us going. We have faith that saves us. We have love that allows us to see the Lord and the Lord to see us and us to see people as the Lord sees them. But the hope of the world is what keeps us to endurance. The hope of the world that he's going to come back someday and he is going to make everything different. All of the scars that are on our hearts will be gone. Revelation says every tear shall be wiped away from our eye. All the hurt that we've faced in this world will be like it never happened. And that's not too cheap in what you're going through now, but it's to say that when the Lord comes back, it's going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, and we're going to be brand new beings. And that's where the answer to all this actually ends up lying the gospel. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's why we hope in him, because he saw us at our worst. And you may feel like you've not hit your worst yet, but he's already seen what's to come. And Jesus still went to the cross to die for those sins, knowing what we were going to do. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He says reconciliation like a million times in that scripture, and that's why. Through God, through his blood, and through his sacrifice, we are now reconciled to God. And now we're able to come freely and openly without any type of disguise, without any type of mask, and without any 
predetermined notion or uh, expectation. So how do we respond? Um, how do we respond? I know it was kind of a short message, but I think that's an important thing because I'll say it every time I preach, a message preached without any type of application or showing how the word's relevant in our lives is lost because you walk away with a whole lot more knowledge. But how the heck do I look, walk this out? And I think when it comes to vulnerability, authenticity, transparency, all those popular Christian words these days, there are a couple of things we can actually do. And the first thing is probably what everybody's done here is give your life to Jesus. Because if we've been raised with Christ, we seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. And at that point, our life is hidden in Christ. So it's no longer our life, it's his life. Paul said that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who live in me. Even in our weakness, even in our own weakness, Jesus still can be shown as bright as the sun. As long as we choose to be open about that and honest about where we're at. Uh, word and prayer, um, I think, is the most important thing because it's the word, again, that we set ourselves up against and the Lord uses to convict, to correct, to encourage. And through prayer and meditation, we're able to let the Lord show us, you know, where we might need to redirect or the things we might need to let go of in our own lives. And finally, um, repent. I think that's the biggest thing. Because, if again, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would encourage you, though, to realize the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. With all of these things to do, I think it's most important to realize that, yes, we have our secret time with the Lord or our personal time with the Lord. But we're also called to a community of believers, and we're a community of saints. And like I said earlier with Sarah, Beth, and Tony, we're called to lift up one another. We're called to bear with one another in each other's sins. We're called to love each other. We're called to correct each other. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to a church that has gone way off path as a community. But he's telling this community to redirect their path and rebuke those people that have led this charge and let go of the other people that aren't willing to listen. It's a community. As a community of believers, we're going to take off our masks together and we're going to see the hot mess that we all are. And that's okay. Some people will judge. You can't get around it. Some people may abuse and manipulate you. But that doesn't mean we're still we're not called to live a life of open and honest um, Christianity. You know, Jesus, I think he, he's always the perfect example for everything, but he did this perfectly. And in John 2, it says that he guarded himself because he did not need the testimony of other men. And I think a lot of people take that scripture and then they guard their hearts and they guard themselves from people. But that's not really what that scripture means because despite the fact that he was going to be killed, crucified, uh, tortured, and mocked, he still willingly gave himself. He gave his body as a sacrifice. 
he gave his words the testimony. The thing that was guarded was his identity. And that's something that nobody can touch. Because through Jesus Christ, you are all sons and daughters of Christ. And that does not change. So as we go forward and live this life, um, I think a lot of times family and friends are probably the hardest thing. Because I have a lot of family and friends that don't go to church. Um, I can think of my sister being one of them. I love her so much. Uh, but she's just not there. She's a self-proclaimed atheist. And when I start talking about church with my father, who's also a pastor, it gets very hard for her. And she just kind of shuts down, redirects the conversation. But I still love her. And as much as she tries to, or as much as she says about what I believe, or the, you know, the, the church as a whole, it doesn't change the truth. So if you have family or friends in your life, as I'm sure you do, who are still not there or may not get there, it's important to realize that Jesus in you is going to be the, I guess, the beacon, the lighthouse as those people who are lost at sea. It's going to hurt and it might be embarrassing sometimes, but the payoff is so much greater because the Lord will be shown and you know what? They could see that. And they could come to church with you on Sunday, and things could change in an instant. So this morning I would just encourage you with that word, just continue to don't hide yourselves. Don't hide. Whether, no, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or beautiful, don't hide it. I've had, to, I've had to open up about some pretty embarrassing things in my own life, and it hurts a lot. But honestly, the payoff so much more because people... I'm able to connect with over those same things and we're able to build relationships and we're able to build one another up and support one another in our darkest times because they're going to come and you can't do these things alone. I just wanted to take a minute this morning um, and just spend some time in meditation and worship because it's in those moments um, that the Lord is to me the most visible and I just wanted to give us an opportunity to pray over that um, so if we just bow our heads in prayer Father I lift up this church this morning and every human being in this Father we know that the church that you've called us to is alive it's living and breathing it's full of people and it is people Father, we can build structures and organizations, and we can build guidelines, but Father, at the end of the day, the church is meant to be people. And I would lift up this community. I thank you for their faithfulness to love and to support and encouragement. I personally would like to thank you for this community. It, it has brought an amazing amount of healing, healing to my family. And just experiencing that, I know what the capabilities are for the others who are lost that will come through these doors. So, Father, I would pray this morning that if there's any hesitation, if there's anything that's being hidden that would be holding somebody back, uh, I pray that we would lay that down as a sacrifice this morning. Father, the Word says that if anyone would follow Jesus Christ, we would die daily, lay down our lives, and pick up our cross. And sometimes it feels like that, but I pray for strength. I pray for endurance. I pray for perseverance through those times. Because at the end of the day, our hope is in you and what's to come, knowing this is all going to go away. 
Um, I know you don't know me all that well, but if anybody needs prayer this morning, I would just encourage you to come to the altar. Um, and I would like to pray with you. If you have something that you know you're struggling with, or if there's something that you need to let go of, or something you want to lift up to the Lord, I would just encourage you to come to the altar this morning. And my wife and I would like to pray for you.